0: All right, let's get right down to it. I'd like to welcome to the program, John Tory, the mayor of Toronto. John, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Kelly. Good to talk to you.
0: Good to have you on. I was just speaking with the executive director of the National Firearms Association. He's not happy with Trudeau's announcement on Friday. And Trudeau has announced that he will also uh, be allowing more municipalities to ban handguns. Are you still considering yours?
1: Well, I mean, we've always been in favor of a national handgun ban, and I know there are many people, including in your audience, who disagree with that. Uh, but um, And, you know, people will say, well, it won't do much. There's very few people who argue it'll do nothing to help with gun violence. Uh, and I'd say anything that even does a small amount to help us with gun violence, knowing there are many, many other things we all have to do. Uh, I, still, I still think it will contribute positively to reducing gun violence. And so that's where we stand. Um, and so obviously I'm supportive of the stuff that was done uh, last week. And I guess we'll see. I'm not going to speculate on what they're doing or not doing they haven't talked to me recently about what their future plans are so I guess we'll see
0: I guess everybody's a little bit busy right now last time we spoke High Park was still open and you and I were actually talking about how you even begin to shut down a park that covers such a large area of the city it's now closed because of the cherry blossom season which is just around the bend how is that going and how busy were the bylaw officers this weekend with the warm weather
1: they weren't actually that busy. And I think the reason for that is that people have decided they're going to take a degree of personal responsibility for all this. And I think most people get it, that, uh, you know, it is when you get close to someone else that you don't live with, that this virus can transmit itself across a distance of, you know, two or three feet in conversation, the little water droplets can go from your, you know, body to theirs. And so um, I think what's happened is like on Saturday, I don't have the Sunday numbers yet. But on Saturday, we wrote a very small number of tickets. I think it was like seven. Uh, and the total tickets, the total number of tickets written since, uh, you know, six weeks ago has been 500, which if you think about it, in, out of a total of like 13 or 14,000 encounters that police and bylaw people have had with citizens, and in a city of 3 million people across 1,500 parks, I don't think is evidence of people overreaching and handing out, you know, tickets like it's candy. So I think that people are getting the message. People are taking a degree of personal responsibility uh, for this, and I think they know that that sense of personal responsibility will lead to the reopening of the city sooner because we will have the numbers in improving on the virus transmission front. And High Park itself, not a problem on the weekend. People stayed away. Uh, I think we're now closer to the reopening of the park than to the closing because it was only ever to be closed for, you know, sort of six to ten days, depending on the blossoms. And Mm -hmm. uh, so there we are.
0: All right. Well, Jennifer Keysmat, Matt, she was, uh, you know, a former city planner. She was quoted in the Star yesterday on the subject of closing down crowded parks. And she said there are two ways to respond. You can say, let's, ju- let's shut down that park because there's too many people in it. Or you can respond the opposite way and say, wow, we need... Uh, To open these public spaces, The, the, the parks need to be open and people, the fact that they're crowded shows that people need access to public spaces. So we need to figure out a way to provide space in the city so that people can do that safely. And if that's the question that you're asking... You don't close parks, you open the street. You don't take away space, you add more space because she's saying that people want more space, especially when it gets warmer. With this weather getting warmer and less traffic on the road, where do you sit on option B, you know, taking some, maybe some uh, lesser used streets, maybe some north, south, tinier streets and opening them up so people can kind of get out and enjoy the weather there?
1: Well, first of all, uh, I have great respect for Jennifer, but the uh, the issue here was never that uh, too many parks were overcrowded. There was some crowding down by the lakeshore. There's crowding in places like Trinity Bellwoods because it's a very busy park all the time, even in peacetime when we don't have a virus. Um, The reason I brought a byline on the parks is to cause people when they're in the parks that are big parks that have lots of space is not to congregate in groups and talk to each other as people are inclined to do. And I I think that's a wonderful thing that they should. So dog walkers, you'd have standing and they say, what's the harm in six dog walkers standing within two feet of each other having a chat? The harm normally is zero. The harm now is that one of those six people might have the virus and be transmitting it to the other five or or some of the other five who will take it home and infect their families. And so, so, uh, you know, we have lots of room in our parks. The issue is just that people have to keep their distance from each other. That does not take away from what I've said repeatedly, which is that we will take into account in post-pandemic planning the need for – more space on sidewalks and streets where uh, called upon uh, to, to keep people safe and healthy. Uh, what I refuse to do, and of course, you get flayed for, for, you know, not just taking the advice that was rendered at the beginning of the pandemic, which is we should just close Young Street. And I said, I said, well, I went and looked. I even went and looked at Young Street more than once. And on right. Young Street, there was nobody on the sidewalk. So why were we closing the street to decongest sidewalks that weren't congested? So what we did instead is had a common sense program that said where there were congestion spots, we're dealing with it. And that is without prejudice to the longer term answers we might have to adopt to create more public space for cyclists or pedestrians, given that probably more people will walk or cycle in the aftermath of the pandemic. So a lot of this gets highly politicized. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's fine. It's a, I'm a politician, so I guess you have to, you know, obviously accept that as part of what goes goes. Goes with the job, but it's just so misleading sometimes that people sort of say either that we have crowded sidewalks, which by and large we don't, right now, or that we have crowded parks, which by and large we don't. Um, And so we're taking all this into account in our planning. We will look at what other people are doing in the world, but you can't get stampeded into making these decisions because somebody you know wrote it up in the Toronto Star. Anybody? I mean, there there's several articles in the Toronto Star today saying somehow I deserve to be you know, punished because I'm being careful about how I make these decisions. And, I, you know, they, they, they can criticize away. That's not a problem. Uh, I'm going to do what I think is right when I think it's right, based on a professional advice I get from all corners, including public health.
0: Well, it may, It basically, it says to me, if you don't have packed sidewalks and you don't have packed parks, that your messaging is getting out there and people are adhering to it. So that's a win. Anthony Longo is making masks mandatory in order to shop at Longo's uh, today. He was on the show. And last Thursday, I know that you would said the city was considering urging or ordering Torontonians to wear face masks in some public settings. We're in a pandemic. What's the risk of issuing an order rather than urging people to do something?
1: Well, I just don't want to presume upon the authority that in fact rests with the public medical officer of health, the public health officials, as opposed to me as a politician. I will abide by their advice. I have done so without hesitation and without exception since this began, because they are the professionals that will determine which measures we can undertake that will do the most good in terms of stopping the spread of this virus. So when I talked about it last week, it was within the context of things like, well, it may be when we open restaurants up again that there is a requirement that all servers or all customers wear a mask in order to make sure you can have restaurants open safely. Uh, That'll I make
0: eating trans- difficult, John.
1: Well, yeah, you take it down when you're eating, but most of the rest of the time you keep it on, or maybe the servers keep it on all the time. Uh, transit is another place where we want people to feel comfortable on public transit and to start to use it again so they're not all using their cars, for example, which would be a nightmare. So maybe, you know, you have to have some kind of policy with regard to that. But what we're trying to do, Kelly, is do these things thoughtfully consistently based on public health advice so it means you don't rush out and sort of say yeah let's have everybody wear a mask before you've thoroughly considered um you know if that is the best way in which in a in a reopened world to get uh, the virus uh, to, to keep the virus under control
0: Last week, the city of Toronto announced that they would be dismantling homeless encampments across the city and you'd be relocating people into apartment buildings that are slated for demolition. Can you speak to the challenges of that plan um, to to get people into uh, not only these, these apartment buildings, but you plan to also service these people so that they don't go back on the street?
1: Well, a great majority of the people, uh, you know, a significant majority, have other issues in their lives besides being homeless. In fact, those issues sometimes contributed to their homelessness, whether it be mental health issues or addiction issues or a variety of things. And what we discovered in these encampments, when I say discovered, we realize the reality of the fact they, first of all, had many public safety uh, issues with them, including the fact that we've taken over time like literally hundreds of propane tanks and we've had fires, including one that killed a man last week very tragically. And then what was becoming apparent as well is there were serious public health issues with this in that you can't have people as per physical distancing living in close quarters like that and not have the virus showing increased potential to spread. So we've got housing which will help support people with their issues and uh, will be given to them as an alternative to living in encampments and if they refuse um, you know, then we probably still will remove some of those encampments because we just can't have people in the city being offered alternative housing and then just saying no and continuing to set up encampments all over the place. It's not a workable answer but we realized we had some responsibility to offer people alternative housing which we're doing and so far we've moved I think about 80 people into those uh, units that you made reference to and that's a start and we're continuing on with that as we speak. But once we've offered the housing and once it's been accepted, we remove those encampments, which I think is the thing that the people would expect us to do.
0: Yeah, I understand you're also planning to feed them as well.
1: Well, yes. I mean, because again, you know, um, I think what we're trying to do is get them settled. The whole idea behind this is to get them settled into more permanent housing with supports they need at the beginning to settle them, because it's not a simple task when someone has other issues in their life to just move them and say, here's a key to your new place uh, or a key to a hotel room, for that example. I mean, they're out of their element which sometimes has been sleeping rough on the street for some time and so we've got to acclimatize them to being in housing that actually is much better for them Uh, so we're being careful about it and i make no apology for that i mean i think these people Mm -hmm. who suggest you could just hand them a key and say here's your new place are misunderstanding the degree to which these people are incredibly vulnerable have issues in their lives that most of the critics can't begin to understand and uh, those are the people i think we have a foremost responsibility to look after in a crisis like this
0: these are going to be people that I imagine you'll be looking after for a long time because once this pandemic is done and this de- this developer that owns the buildings wants to demolish those buildings, you can't just kick him out on the street again, John. You've you've got yourself uh, tenants that you have to deal with.
1: Two things about that. First of all, we recognize that, but we wanted to find a measure that would give people a decent place to be, other than in a tent encampment, which we can't accept just happening all over the city. Accept it either morally, or accept it in terms of the city and its its you know character. But the second thing is, there are many many of these people, Kelly, who will have issues for the rest of their lives, and Mm -hmm. that is a reality in a city of three million people. You are going to have people, through no fault of their own, who have issues with mental health, issues with addiction, or both, other circumstances that uh, cause them to be people we will probably have to provide some support to for the rest of their lives i fall on the side of the line that says when it comes to a relatively small group of people like that in our society who are you know incredibly disadvantaged relative to the rest of us and have issues the rest of us don't face that we have some obligation to look after them and and that's what we do and uh, so yes um, these are shorter term solutions but they are people in many cases not all who we will have to look after for the rest of their lifetime, even if they're 25 years old today. And that's just uh, the human condition.
0: John, I always love talking to you and I always feel like I'm taking a lot of your time because I know you're really busy. Just very quickly, I just want you to answer one more question. As the province reopens you know, parts of the economy, uh, will you consider lagging behind in the City of Toronto's reopening of some businesses or will you kind of try and stick with the same timeline as the rest of the province?
1: Well, first of all, my preference is that the provincial implementation should be done on a measured basis because I, don't, I think while there's a group of people, which I would say is in a minority who are really stampeding to have everything opening tomorrow morning, I don't think that's the right thing to do in the context of all the effort and sacrifice we've put into getting to where we are. Uh, so so that's my desire overall, but will I be trying as much as possible, as often as possible on as many issues as possible to mirror the provincial guidelines so as to avoid confusion and all that kind of thing? Yes, I will. Are there aspects of Toronto, including for example, our transit system, which carries a million and a half people a day in normal times that will require very extra special consideration, Uh, and will the numbers of people in Toronto coming back to work, hundreds of thousands, make it a slightly more complex undertaking? Yes, it is. So there will be differences with Toronto, but I would hope as often as possible We can follow uh, the provincial guidelines, which I think is so far looking like it is measured. I think it should stay that way and actually wait for the numbers to improve so we don't do this too suddenly or too soon, especially after all the sacrifice that's been made. But I'll be trying to work hand in glove, and we're doing that very well so far with the province.
0: Well, John, I don't know how you do it because I know you are uh, all over the place. You're always uh, being interviewed. You're still trying to keep the city humming. So hats off to you and stay safe.
1: We're doing our best, Kelly. You stay safe, too, and to all the 640 listeners, too. Thanks a lot. Cheers.